Hello, you are listening to Talk the Line. I'm Jen Long. Welcome to another podcast, another episode. Every week I chat to a musician, sometimes a comedian, sometimes an actor, actress, usually a musician, about something they are passionate about, their secret hobby, the thing that they don't normally talk about in interviews. We go into great detail about that subject. We upload a new episode every Friday. You can check out all our previous episodes at talktheline.blog, including chats with artists such as Amanda Palmer, Marty McCutcheon and Shura. You can follow us on Twitter at TalkTheLine. You can follow me at Jen Long. If you would like to make my day, then please subscribe to this podcast. And this week we have another chat from Iceland Airwaves Festival. Punk trio Dreamwife came together while they were studying visual arts at Brighton University, with roommates Raquel and Bella roping in fellow student Alice to create a fake girl band for a course project. Of course, the fake band proved to be more than formidable, and soon Dreamwife were putting on some of the best live shows around and releasing tracks such as their signature anthem, Somebody, inspired by the Slut Walk, the grassroots protest march that calls for an end to rape culture. Dreamwife have also collaborated with the Girls Against campaign, which was formed to raise awareness of and reduce sexual harassment at gigs and concerts. Icelandic-born and California-raised Raquel is Dreamwife's singer and she was already a veteran of the Reykjavik music and art scene before she headed to the UK to study. She's also sung with bands such as Utidua and Halelua and she comes from a highly creative family that includes her uncle Ragnar Kjartansson, the famed performance artist. Icelanders are incredibly protective and proud of their culture and past, which is rich in tales of monsters, spirits, elves and trolls. This is shown through their passionate storytelling, which has occupied a central place in Icelandic history since the first settlers from Norway and the British Isles reached the island in the late 9th and early 10th century. So basically, we sat in a very nice hotel from the 70s and Raquel told me some stories. So seeing as we are here in Hotel Holt, which is one of my favorite and weirdest places in Reykjavik, the decor is like 1970s fancy. <laughs> um, I think the, dis- like the topic I would want to discuss is storytelling and Iceland. Okay, yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, I think as long as we don't touch on the situation, which uh, we did a whole podcast on with Arnie, I think we're good. I mean, what what did you guys talk about? The situation. Oh, no, I really... Oh, the situation. Oh, you, that situation. Yeah, that situation. That um, whole situation. I think I'd rather want to base it on storytelling in general, how like each country has you know, a different way of storytelling. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to tell we're me... We're not like, going to talk about the situation. Let's not talk about that. I, lo- <laughs> I love that that's his topic. It's a fascinating lesson for anyone who's just starting this podcast when you've finished. Mm. Have listened to Arnie Arneson on the situation. Ooh. Well, I definitely don't want to dive into the history okay. of Iceland and especially not what's going on now politically. We're not going to start there. <laughs> but I think more about um, storytelling. Okay. So passing on stories from one another and Iceland. Right. So like from generation to generation. Yeah. And sort of how Iceland has sort of worked in that way. Um, the reason why I want to talk about this is I come from a big theater family. And um, playwrights and uh, writers and actors and, and musicians and performance artists. And this is actually our bar. This, this, is, my, this is my family local. Hulk, Hulky Holt. 
Hotel Holt. Not Hulky Hulk. <laughs> is when I when I walked in, I did say to producer Paul, I was like, "Oh my god, it's a bit Twin Peaksy." Very. And the last interview that we just did, the last podcast we just recorded, they said the exact same thing. It does feel. It feels like that lodge in Twin Peaks. It feels like you're leaving yeah. the city and you're kind of stepping back into this weird, twisted Lynchian time, where all the walls are like deep mahogany and all the sofas are like worn leather chesterfields and the floor is like tiled it should be, i think it's parquet through there there's that beautiful dining hall mm-hmm. low lit and all these low lit rooms? lounge bar secret rooms mm-hmm. like there's a more. layout that doesn't feel modern no this has been the same since the 70s and this was like the fanciest place ever in the 70s and they've somehow managed to keep the decor so it's not like f- some beautiful places you go to where, you know, the paint is falling off. Yeah, but yeah. this is exactly like you would see it in the 70s. It's like, it's not, you know, when you say something hasn't been touched since the 70s, mm-hmm. it sort of feels that way aesthetically it hasn't been touched in terms of the decor it hasn't been touched, but it's not, it's been maintained. And the paintings too. Yeah, they're gorgeous. Like if you, actually, this, um, this room here is to speak about Icelandic art. Um, that's connected to storytelling in a way, but... The whole room here, and these are there's many rooms. We've only been to two. There's probably like six weird little bar rooms, public rooms. Yeah, public rooms, and um, open. Yeah, differently, but like it's it's all these beautiful landscape pictures and portraits from early 1900s to like 1970s. Wow, and there's a lot of portraits here. And actually, the bar that you were taking other um, podcast in. That is all sketches from artists who used to live here. I did and wonder what those yeah. what they were. Yeah, his name is uh, Karvall, and he is one of our greatest. And he did a lot of landscape portraits that became huge outside of Iceland. Um, this is during nineteen fifties, forties, sixties, and he was he used to live here in this hotel. He lived in the hotel. Yeah, he like was Alan Partridge. I guess is that what he does? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but, um, Niche British reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I should know this. I've been living in England for like five years. But with Caravaggio, he was an incredible painter, and just is you can if you walk around, I can point to some works. But he had no sense of money. He just had no sense of how to handle money, and he would often, um, he would often pay for his accommodation if he was traveling around um, Iceland uh, with uh, drawings. He would go to a guest house and he would just hand them a drawing, not understanding that that drawing at the time was like worth millions. I mean, <gasps> maybe yeah, million probably. Well, I mean, but yeah, because your, your value. money is kind of crazy oh, and that I just spent like a thousand oh, whatever yeah, on, on this beer. Then maybe in pounds, that would have been like a hundred thousand pounds worth. Thousands, yeah. Yeah, so it would have been like, wow. and even today, like if you have a caravan in your house, damn, you are. So how much good. is that bar? That bar is probably the most. I mean, but that's another story with the bar. Okay. Um. So he used to live here, and he had a room which you can actually visit. <gasps> that they've redone it, and and that's part of a different bar in this hotel, which is very strange, and beautiful. But he would pay for his. He lived for years. I think he lived for eight years, and he would pay with um each month with a drawing and that whole bar is consisted of drawings from him right and it's self-portraits mainly so the the art on those walls it's not just someone knocked out a few sketches they're 
prestigious works of art in Iceland, which are worth probably quite a lot of money. That, yeah. Oh my God. Yes. So it, there's no security. No, I could have nicked one and no one would have noticed. <laughs> oh my God. I, I might still do that. Noticed. I mean, I knew it was a classy establishment when you wouldn't let me have a, a bag beer. No, it's, it's I was trying hot. to sneak one <laughs> down on the hose. Thought I'd just crack it on the floor and. I'm like so drinking a glass of you know. You insisted right now. I put it in a glass. You insisted I go and buy a beer and put it in a glass. I was like, okay. You can't do that, hotel hosts. You but can't. That's sacrilegious, it would seem. I mean, look at us now. I mean, cheers. <laughs> I'm drinking oh, cheers, a glass yeah. of kava, and you're drinking a fine glass of, of Icelandic lager. Mmm, it's delicious. But yeah, that bar is. Also, there's one thing that's different from usual weeks because it's Airways weeks. It's usually empty in here. There's maybe two, three people around in that bar. Wow. It's such a hidden pearl, this place. So it hasn't really been written about in the tourist books. It hasn't been overly um, publicized. I suppose it's no, a, this really. hotel's a little bit out of the way as well. But still, it's like three minutes walk from the main street. <laughs> so <laughs> compared to any place in London, that would be around the corner. Yeah, fair. But this place, yeah, so this place, for me personally, and why I know the story is about it, is because my father's family loves to come here. And often, and it's also nice to come here as a family because nobody's here. Mm. And it's so elegant and nice. And it's a kind of idea of also being a family of artists that, because um, it's, it's like 70s fancy this place it's a bit the shining as well yeah, isn't it's like it the like shining. it's very imposing when you first turn the corner and you see the massive red neon sign yeah oh it that could be like it's a bit like bates motel meets the shining oh, hotel yeah. it's it's brilliant <laughs> this idea of like being artists too coming to this place and as my family um sort of almost like pretending that you're living grand you know, you yeah. buy a glass of kava and you sit down and speak to your family and you're cheering over something. Or, you know, if something extra special, you go to the dining hall and it would be like a very like special event. But this kind of idea of being an artist and sort of, you know, smooching in this way when you sometimes find yourself in these, you know, if you're playing a show in Cannes, like I did the other day, and the backstage area was like a beach and they were pouring kava and I was like, or no, um, they were pouring. Uh, they're pouring champagne. Oh, no, actual, actual, actual champagne. champagne! And you were like, when "Thank you, France. thank you." And and I was in CAD, and I was like, "This is nice. This is nice." And I realized, like, I have probably like a hundred pounds in my bank account, <laughs> and I'm living like way beyond my means just for tonight. <laughs> yeah. And it's like these funny situations where you find yourself when you're artists in this kind of like gaps between of society, and sort of just laughing at it and yeah. enjoying it. And yeah, this is maybe this is the, this is like that kind of place. I'd I say. suppose it's the industry that we work in. Like, there's definitely been times where I found myself in those situations where I'm like, "This is doesn't this doesn't feel like real life." Like, yeah. I'm gonna leave this and I'm gonna go home to my cat. But I quite like that. That's I love what that. I really like because if I would stay two days in Cannes, I would have been bored. Yeah. But that one funny day, like you know, jumping around the beach with a ball with your friends, your bandmates, and and a few bottles of uh, champagne, uh, it just makes it funny and nice. And those are the little gaps. But that would have been boring if we didn't do two, two days in a row. So it's kind of fun. It's like it's fun to get dressed up sometimes. Yeah. So it's fun to like get dressed up. Yeah. Come to the hotel. Hotel. With your family. With your family <laughs> and pretend for one night that you're aristocrats. Actually, if you look at this painting here. Um, the wait. dusting ladies. That Yeah. Actually, no, these are fish. That's fish. They're fish oh, workers. Sorry. <laughs> Um, well, those are not. Stuff. I love that you said that. 
<laughs> seeing as you're from England. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, that's fish. That's yeah. not a duster. Uh, this one is from, wait. Wait a sec. I'm just going to jump. I should, woo. So close. I almost poured a beer down. Woo. Ah, yes. This is uh, Bluntal. So this painting is Bluntal. And um, every single time I come here, my grandma, uh, who's an actress and an absolutely brilliant person, she she walks around this room and she was like, I dated that guy. And like, I dated that <laughs> painter. I was like, oh, this painter here. So the one we're looking at right now, the painter, when she had her first marriage, she's had three, and her first marriage, he painted a painting of her. And he's a very well-known painter. And he painted a self-portrait of her and then presented it to her and her first husband. This is the 50s. And she opened it and it was a beautiful portrait but she had green hair which is just a style was going on in the 50s and uh she she loved it but her husband at the time was like that's weird you have green hair let's just put it in storage oh and she doesn't know where that painting went oh so and that painting's value is a painting of her with green hair but the value of that painting is uh, quite high and she has no idea where it went because the first husband didn't really like the green hair do you think so they never put it out? it out, maybe. Maybe. So, so when you come <laughs> here and your your family are telling you all these stories, is there an essence of the storytelling that's um, that's more Icelandic than maybe we have in the UK in terms of passing these anecdotes and these tales down? I think with um, as we were talking about earlier with Can, for example, and basically Iceland is a place with 330,000 people. Um, and it's it's basically, it started out as a bunch of farmers and peasants. We were under the Danish um, crown until 1944. And up until that point, everyone in the outside world, including England, just thought of, if they even knew what Iceland was, um, it was just a bunch of farmers, peasants on an island in the north. So this kind of mentality of just being, you know, peasants and farmers sort of, comes with you in a way and that's again with the storytelling thing is that you never see yourself too seriously and you're still always a peasant from Iceland doesn't matter wherever you are whatever you do you're still in that kind of idea of just being some farmers and with Iceland for example it most of the world didn't really know about Iceland maybe I'd probably say until the 90s it became actually relevant for school children to know about the the island yeah and now it's very known seeing as it's become a huge like tourist hub and people actually want to go see a glacier and want to go see waterfalls and we have so much like untouched nature but this mentality of just being sort of left a bunch of farmers on an island for hundreds and hundreds of years is still in everyone so when it comes to like storytelling and like this this like you know caravan the painter just sort of paying with sketches mm. when he's staying around the country and that's why in a few guest houses you see like a framed caravan in a kind of a tiny guest house somewhere <laughs> and you're like how how did you get this and like that kind of idea of never really seeing yourself too big and never really or sort of almost understanding your va- value maybe money wise yeah um yeah it's brilliant that's why this this place is so great because they've collected so many pieces of art that I don't think at the time people realized their value and they still have them because they collected them early. Yeah. So this kind of, yeah, nobody really does take themselves seriously here. 
And that's where the fun stuff happens. Okay. That's the stories of someone paying for the rent with paintings. What other, are they, how would you describe these stories? Are they like, um, almost like Icelandic urban legends or Icelandic folklore or I don't know, how, how would um, you sum up what all the, the, these kind of stories that are passed down from generation to generation? I think and well, are quite Icelandic in their nature, and and it doesn't you know Icelandic it's not in their nature. They're very, it's very, it's very like um, I don't think that we have so many stories like this in the UK, for example. Well, I mean, the UK has so much history. Yeah, like, too much maybe. It's easier for us to track down our history because we're not that many people. Yeah, and yeah. I suppose everyone feels like they have a connection, even somewhat by a few degrees of separation to someone oh, else. Definitely. I mean, that's that's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't mean we know everyone. But there's always a few degrees of separation. I think. Well, originally, um, it started out with um, old Norse tales, and, for example, the Vikings and all the old Norse gods, uh, Thor and Freya, and sort of all these. We had our own gods before Christian took over, and that was around, um, Christian took over the year 1000. Right. So there was this whole history of all the Nordic gods that started out. So Thor isn't is a Marvel character. Thor's oh, like... Wait. Oh, people don't know this, do they? No, this is this is what I mean. Like, oh. you're, you, you're assuming too much... I am assuming too, too much. Too much knowledge of us... Um, I spent too much time in this island. Super-absorbed Brits. Um, <laughs> well... The old uh, Norse gods, which is um, the Viking gods. So Valhalla, which is the um, hall of the soldiers who died. So similar to maybe other religions, but it was the soldiers who died would go up to Valhalla, which was this um, big hall full of beer and women. <laughs> and they would party until the next war came over and they would help the gods. Can I just say, your gods sound awesome you should really check this out yeah we would be talking about this the whole time you literally have like a like you had gods you had a religion that said they just go up to a beer hall and party until they have to do something well that was when you died the when the soldiers died this sounds like a pretty good heaven well it was interesting but there were all these different (laughs) gods there was a god of war there was a god of love and this was um common around all of scandinavia these different gods and they all had characters and they were not perfect they were actually usually just quite funny and um and uh mischievous and didn't do the right things or had an anger problem or like all these or you know had a sex problem like all these different things that were happening so it became like people that you could actually relate to the gods they weren't some unearthly being they were just people that are trying to do their job whether you're a war god or god of fruit or like it was yeah they're funny. If you read about them, they're all just quite funny characters. What's your favorite? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think I have one. I just like the whole story in itself. But this was interesting um, fact that... So this came from... Iceland uh, was founded around like the 800s. And um, when... I mean, we're not sure though, but people finally settled and stayed around that time. And then obviously the gods traveled the Vikings. The Vikings found Iceland. They stole lots of slave from Northern Ireland and to make a colony in Iceland because of they were um, didn't want to live in Norway anymore and they had issues with the king there. 
So they made a colony in Iceland, which is the, our first settlers. So we all come from that, us who are from originally from the old Viking era. I don't know how to say that. But yeah, you can really track down your family line here. It's easy. Uh, yeah, it's but yeah. It's like the, the, modern, <laughs> the modern worry of who have I just upset by saying that I'm real Icelandic and they're not yeah, real Icelandic. But I think, we, I think I got the gist of what you were saying. Yeah, um, it's because we're so few. So people have been really documented well. We surely you had to make sure that you weren't snogging your cousin or something. I guess so, yes. But there's actually, there was a lot of sailors that came in and they didn't write down their names. They just said it was someone else's baby. So I think it's much more mixed. Oh. But let's not go into this. <laughs> that's great. I mean, <laughs> that's how we survived or else we would have, I'm not sure if we would have still yeah, it wouldn't have been correct genetically. But let's not go into that discussion. <laughs> very thankful for all the very nice-looking French and Spanish sailors that came to our shores hundreds of years ago. Anyway, the gods in... Um <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, basically, the year 1000, um, they had to decide, because now there was a new king. Whether it was a Danish or Nordic king, it changed every fifty years or so, and they had they either they had to reform to Christianity, but they had a choice: they could either reform to Christianity or keep the old gods, and then the whole country had to conform. So there's this story about um, I'm not really good at saying this, but like he there's a story about um, the head the head of Iceland at the time. There wasn't a title for it because we were still under the king. And uh, he lie down under a fur coat for a few days and uh, to make a decision. So when you say in Iceland, when you have to make a really deep decision, you say, I'm going to go, I'm gonna go um, lie under a fur coat for a few days. How do you say that? Surely it's like a, what do they call it? A, s- a snow... What's the word for when you, um, like I've got bigger fish to fry, it's not a synonym, is it? Bigger fish fries, that's What's the like word for that? Doesn't matter, anyway. But surely there's one. like a way of saying that in Icelandic that's not as clunky as I've got to go and lie down under a fur coat for a few days. It's more just like a common phrase to use if you really have to idiom. think about things. It's an idiom. Ah, that's the one. There you go. So, so mm. what's the, what, how do you say it in Icelandic? I like your stenterfelt. That's a lot slicker than <laughs> I've got to go and lie down under a fur coat for a few days. <laughs> but after he did that, he came out and everyone thought he was going to choose the old gods because they were popular and funny. And he decided to choose Christianity. And since then, Iceland has been Christian, but it still hasn't really been Christian because everyone still loved the old gods. And I'd say today there's a mixture of both. So people still, you know, believe in the old gods. Because they just love the stories, yeah, the characters. Yeah, because the characters are hilarious. We have, like, similar... Did you know that there's 13 Santa Clauses in Iceland? Shut up. <laughs> 13 Santas? Yeah, there's so 13. So do you just get 13 presents every uh, every 25th of December? No, actually, um, it's it's different. Uh, <laughs> uh, we spread out on 13 days. So oh. starting with the uh, 11th? I'm guessing the 11th of December so it runs up to yeah Christmas Day proper and what we do as children in Iceland is that you put your shoe also it has to be a nice shoe can't be the shoes you're wearing it has to be a different shoe like a special shoe like your dress shoes just any shoe really oh okay all right. and you put it in your window and you open your window a little bit um, and you go to sleep and during that time 
one of these Santa Clauses comes down from the mountain. They all live together with their mother who used to be really bad. She used to cook children in her pot and had a cat that would snatch children. Evil children. I mean bad children. So she was a bit evil. And then she had a husband that just hung around the house and didn't do anything. And she was... <laughs> but she's called Grilla. Grilla Claus. No, no. She's not a Claus. Oh. Oh, she's, a, she's like Madonna. She's one word. <laughs> Grilla. And uh, she, she, she would live up in the mountains. And uh, each night, starting from the 11th of December, one of her sons, her 13 sons, they all had different personalities. Um, I'll tell you about them in a bit. But they would come down from the mountain and put a toy or a candy or something in the shoe. But if children were bad, they would put a potato. <gasps> But what if you really like potatoes? That has happened yeah. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's been tricky. But each of these Santa Clauses, um, they, I mean, they weren't actually originally called Santa Clauses that evolved with the Coca-Cola. This is actually a story that yeah, yeah. has been going on for hundreds of years. But uh, originally they were really bad. And they would just be like coming into town trying to rob things. And then they evolved into giving children candy and shoes. Or potatoes. So I think the modern day has changed them a bit. But they all have like different characters that they still have. Um, and they're silly. They're goofy. They're, you know, not... Some of them are smart. Some of them are not smart at all. Um, and one, for example, is addicted to skir, which is a yogurt here. So he tries to break <laughs> no. into houses. And he's called skirgomur. So they're all called... Their, um, has the yogurt been going that long? Oh, yeah. It's been going on for a while. Oh, wow. I had my first one today, actually. Did you? Yeah. Which, which, which flavor? Uh, I had banana. That's a weird one. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I, it's brand new to it, so I, I don't know. I just, I quite like banana-flavored Was it good? Things. I, um, it's quite a heavy yogurt, isn't it? It's quite oh, a yeah, dense yeah. It's yogurt. It's protein. You take it, like, you have it when you go to the gym. Right. 17 grams of protein per yogurt, I see. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is protein. But it was delicious. It has... um kept this nation afloat since since the old <laughs> gods <laughs> that's crazy that that yogurt's been going that long yeah no that's literally that and fish has kept and potatoes has kept this country alive through all the cold winters and of course the fishermen course. from different countries um <laughs> i feel like the santa clauses make me think of like the seven dwarfs how they all have their own little yeah. hilarious name they do. One of them is called Hurdaskatlir, who's my favorite one. I don't have a favorite, like, god, but I do have a favorite Santa Claus. <laughs> and he's, um, his personality is that he loves to slam doors. So when he comes into town, all you hear is slam doors everywhere. Do people, like, go out and slam their doors on that specific night? I think some people do. So the children fun. are like, oh my god, he's here! And, like, Aww. pretend to be asleep. <laughs> um, also, I just yeah. have, from a logistical point of view... Do you actually leave your window open? Because it's quite cold here. To I did see your face cringe when yeah. I said that. <laughs> I was just thinking, we had the window open for like an hour today. And I was like, it's freezing in this room. Shut the bloody window. Well, in, it depends on how, how, like, how much open it was. <laughs> but we have, however, here, we're so fortunate um, that we have geothermal warming. So the water um, that comes from the ground up. So we don't really pay much for heating and we don't really pay much for electricity. That's amazing. So like the heating bill, electricity bill here is probably one 
eighth of what you pay in London. Oh my God. And you have your heating on all the time. All the time. So you would you would leave the house with the heating on blast oh. because you want to come back home to a cozy hot house. I am moving to Iceland. Although, yeah. it's, <laughs> can I just say... That's why the one window's open, because the heating's on full. Yeah, because the, the, we've just got the fucking heating on full blast. Yeah, it's wonderful. It, yeah. yeah, just go oh my wild. God. Just, it's like summer it every so day. Many ba- that's why we have so many swimming pools here. But this because is of the, the geothermal heat. Because your water, your hot water, you can't drink. No. Because it's warmed by the the ground, right? Yeah, that's geothermal. But then I, I, so I, I arrived yesterday and I got in the shower today mm-hmm. and I like showered and I washed and everything and I got out of the shower and I saw this, I have this ring on a chain around my neck and I was like, oh, it looks really tarnished and like, oh weird. yeah, you shouldn't do it. And then I was like, oh shit. And then I looked and my engagement ring oh. has turned from silver to bronze what and i was like but that should be okay if you just like um polish it i i well i, I found that out now because i did extensive googling <laughs> while my heart was it's beating like, oh, so fast no. and much i was like how fuck i was like fuck i literally just got engaged like two oh, months congratulations. ago thank you but i was like how am i gonna how the fuck am i gonna tell soph hey babe oh, wow i've just ruined my engagement ring saws <laughs> i said water sorry no <laughs> i was like you can just polish it. Don't I worry. know it's oh god, but don't do it again. Maybe so I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm going to take everything off before I go. That's in. why you take rings off before you go. Well, I didn't know pools. that though. There's I no know, warning. It's fine. Nobody they tells you. Put a bloody warning <laughs> sign on the shower, like don't wear. Do you your know why that is? It's because all the like. Um, is it like, sulfur? It's sulfur. No, it's um. It's also like loads. Of, it's loads of calcium. Oh. And I think sulfur too. I'm not sure. I've spent all day saying to producer Paul, like, do you think we can ask Arnie's mum if she's got any silver polish, or do you think I should pop in that jewelers and see if they can polish you it for me? You can just pop in a jewelry shop and just tell them your story. I think they'd be happy to help. Actually. Oh my god, I'm going to do that tomorrow because it's causing me so much anxiety. Yeah, no, you do it. That's also another thing coming from like a small place is that we sort people out and we don't do without question. That's nice. So it's like if you pop in like, oh, this happened, they'd be like, yeah, it's fine. I think you should probably just ask them. I'm going to do it tomorrow because oh yeah. my heart. <gasps> oh. I mean, you get amazing <laughs> natural hot water. Also, your skin probably felt amazing after that shower. It has You're right. It does feel really good. Really actually. soft. Yeah. Yeah. And also it's good for your lungs and... Yeah, it's nice to come here. I because I live in London and I've been living in UK for five years, and I do regularly come back here. And even though it's freezing cold, mm. it's still like just to go to the hot tubs and it's snowing, but still be really warm. Ooh. And just to sort of yeah, it's the air is so fresh and it's cold, but it's really fresh. It is so fresh actually. I went for a run today and I was Did I was just running. I was just running yeah. up hills and I was like run. I was like my God in London. I'd be like, you know? No, I couldn't. But it's just so clear and fresh, and it feels like there's so much more oxygen in the air, and like, oh, not just not just diesel fumes. It is nice. It's nice to, um, but then again, it's like I think there's so many great things about London, but the air is not one of them. No, but that's because it is a massive city, and here we're not that many people taking up this air. Yeah, of course, and it comes straight straight in off the sea. Plus that. So nice. So your hair becomes nice too. Oh, yeah, my <laughs> hair feels great actually. Hair, skin, oh. engagement ring. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, um, I actually I came here on a school trip years and years and years ago. Oh sweet. When I was sixteen, so mm-hmm. yeah, like fifteen years ago, which I think was kind of before the big tourism boom. Because yeah, that was before everything looked a lot different. No, like ten years ago, there wasn't at all 
Yeah. Like 10 years ago, there was probably maybe one fourth of people. Traveling. I remember we got off the flight and I was, I was talking to this woman at the airport and she was, I think she was so excited that I was like on a school trip really? to, That's cute. to Iceland that she, she gave me this pack of, I, I can't remember what they were. I remember what they were like. They were almost like, like small Malteser kind of sweets. There's some sort of Icelandic We are sweet. really into our candy here. Yeah. There's, go to any store. It's crazy the amount of- There's so much candy. Icelandic candy as well. It's not even like uh, oh, yeah, like no. just the British candy imported or American candy imported. Nobody eats Snickers here. Everyone eats the real good stuff. No one eats... There's so many Snickers in the supermarket though. That's for the tourists. <laughs> <laughs> Suckers. What's the best Icelandic Actually, candy? my friend just came and gave me some earlier. Yeah. There's, it's called Omnum. Omnum. Even the name Oh my God. All. That's like, that, like that meme like Omnum, nom, nom, nom. Yeah, that's mm. where it comes from. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason. It's sea salt um, and a bit of licorice. And there's oh, there's many different types of it. Producer Paul is obsessed with it. Yeah, I know. I, I heard him like uh, whisper, oh my God. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, there's a massive culture for candy. Yeah, it is nice. Uh, when I came, nice. When I came <laughs> here on the school trip, I remember being told a story about, I want to say like... Um, God, uh, not gnomes, gremlins, trolls. <laughs> one of the three. One, no, it was trolls. And yeah, it was, is that like a like a Norse fairy tale that's been brought over to Iceland? Well, here's something that might blow your mind. <laughs> so you know Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. J.R.L. Tolkien spent his summers here as a child in Iceland. His parents had a summer house here. And his nanny during all of his adolescence um, was Icelandic. And she was a big storyteller. And a lot of Lord of the Rings, the sort of mythology behind it, is based on Icelandic folktales. Wow. So uh, the trolls, yeah, the trolls, they, um, yeah, the trolls, the elves, but it's not really elves. They're called hidden people. That was it. That was what, this is literally 15 years ago. This is pop back into my head now that's what they were called that's the story i was told hidden people yeah the so there's different so if you look at lord of the rings even like mordor mordor is snipelessness which is the center of the earth uh, the fiery pit of mordor and the volcanic activity is around here and it's interesting even like reading lord of the rings later on you're like oh wow this is pretty much just the folk tales that you hear Wow. So, so you're yeah. calling bullshit on Lord of the Rings. No, I'm happy <laughs> I'm that... <kidding. laughs> I'm not calling bullshit. Were you not pissed that I they filmed it, it in New Zealand, though? Come on. They were actually going to film in Iceland, but it was too expensive at the time. <sighs> so they and couldn't do it. It's expensive here. I know. So, I mean, it makes more sense to film in New Zealand. <laughs> it looks similar. But a lot of the landscape is based... It's it's mainly based on Iceland. So, it's so who are the incredible. hidden people? Okay, so um, if we go to two characters of this it's uh the trolls and the hidden people the hidden people are also called elves but elves isn't really the right word for them to describe them again like iceland throughout hundreds of years had been isolated forgotten about in the north atlantic on an island and they had a king somewhere in the mainland in either denmark or norway depends on who was married to who at the time but um they just were here on this dark island by themselves and this is I think, yeah, so maybe like 40,000 people, 80,000 people, depends on what year. But you didn't have a lot of people here on this and island. it's an ominous backdrop, isn't it? Yeah, plus that, and this incredible landscape that changes 
every half an hour or like every 20 minutes you drive it just changes in a completely different landscape so of course you're gonna think about other things happening here if you're alone on this island for hundreds and hundreds of years so hidden people are one of the stories that came about and came about quite early on um and that is royalty that is that was the royalty to us um the hidden people they had gold the hidden people they they were fair beautiful and the same thing icelandic people were peasants they were farmers so they didn't have much and you know they were perceived as being dirty or you know they you know because they didn't really have anyone to answer to because they were just on an island in the north and the king was somewhere in a different country so they were just farmers and just like good hard-working people to try to survive in iceland yeah yeah and uh so the hidden people as the same in lord of the rings how they're described the gold they're fair they move sort of slowly be honest i took my brother to the cinema to see it when he was like 12 <laughs> and i that's my only connection i, I saw the films of, once you know what cape like Blanchett looked like I know like the vibe you know it comes up so often mm. in a in everyday conversation That's you're like cute. oh yeah one ring to rule more cool mate <laughs> <laughs> got it yeah but they're fair and they have gold and they have silk which wasn't possible like to get in Iceland they had material that you would never see in Iceland and these stories of of these fair people and they lived in rocks and not like small rocks in the like they lived in like <laughs> massive rocks uh slash mountains which you see here and they would sort of hide they would go into the rocks and then they would enter their um hidden people dome which would be so it's like a hidden passage but even though the hidden people were fair and you would fall for them instantly because they were royalty in a way they were you know they were something that you would never see if you were a peasant here in the 17th century you would never see gold you'd never see silk you'd never see you know this kind of this kind of fairness way they would um sometimes there's different stories uh also the queen there's a queen there's a the hidden people queen there's never a king somehow but there's always a queen that's great and sh- but she is beautiful but she's also a bit evil <gasps> so there's a difference S- there's different stories of them helping people like saving them and helping them on their journey home but there's also if you cross one of them that is that's terrible. So what are the stories of the helping? Was it like a kind of good Samaritan? <laughs> you just don't know about the helping thing. Well, no, I thought we go, we'd go with the good and then we'd... Well, like helping, like if... if um, are these like stories that you're told by your parents? Like, like was it just things family that you here up? in yeah. this place? <laughs> I don't know. You t- you're just told this. My grandma's an actress uh, who loves to be here, who was the one that had green hair. And she would tell me a lot of these stories. And, but it's, yeah, and also you just hear it sort of. I don't know. It's just like talked about. Yeah. And it's just great stories but with the hidden people stories for example with them would there's off they're luring people in uh, often it's women that are luring um peasants and men and uh there's one thing about it though that you can't cross them or else there's these terrible stories of them sort of hunting you yeah, down give me one of these stories i, I don't know like, i don't well i mean what's the terrible story no there's not it's not terrible it's just <laughs> it's a uh, you know, you're in the middle of the night, you're trying to ride home, but you see that the queen is behind you and she's riding with her troops behind you. And you're just trying your best and your like, horse is pretty much dying out of exhaustion. You're trying to get home, but uh, you see the queen behind you um, that's going to follow you and catch you and, you know, drown you. And there's these different stories of that. There's also songs. There's a lot of songs about it, like folk tale songs. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you know any of the words? Yeah. Um, can you tell? Can you sing it and, tra- and then translate it? Or not? You don't have to sing it. You can say it. But I mean, a vague tune might help. Alvadro nin kera pesla kantina ker kota vera hena leid. Alsta klaurin vilte keva tila vera komeno vanikila kil. Alsta klaurin vilte keva tila vera komeno vanikila kil. So is that that kind of like, oh my hey, God. hey, hey, like that kind of stuff. In this hotel, it's like hearing that, <laughs> I would shit myself. Yeah. But that's that kind of like fairy tale creepy. I, re- I really enjoyed that. We have a lot of songs. Again, with storytelling, like a lot of us, these, these stories. I'm of sorry, elves. I feel like people listening are actually going to be so annoyed that I interrupted you then and didn't no. let you tell me what that actually meant. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I just mean like, as with so many folk tales, it, this has come down in songs. These are songs that everyone knows. You learn about when you're a kid in school. And it's about elves and trolls and, you know, Nordic gods. And you don't realize that because you're just learning some songs. Everyone mm. learns. But that's um, the queen. Like, it's about someone writing the same story, like I'm writing home, um, trying to get home, but there's so many um, hindrances in the way, and he's he's messed something up with the queen of of the hidden people, and she's uh, she has yeah, she's trying to follow him home, and it's not he's like trying to like avoid her. <laughs> Right. That's what that song so is. It's kind of like Ring a Ring of Roses. And he said, I wish that I could give the, the last line is, I wish I could give my sturdiest horse. Um, I wish he, he was in like um, a safe cave that he's going to. Um, and I, he would give any, everything just to have the sturdiest horse, which is he's uh, hopefully on in that safety place. So if you cross him, it's bad. But they're also used to, there's like stories of people falling in love with them. And that they would often like want to lure people into their kingdom, uh, which is hidden behind the rocks. And uh, well, the rocks is like an entrance to the different kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they would try to lure people. And there's stories of, you know, someone that was in love with a farmer's girl, and then he was walking back home, and then he saw these eyes in the rocks, <gasps> and he'd walk towards the eyes. This is the story I heard when I was 15. Oh, really? It stuck with me. That's the story. Yeah. Yeah, there's many of those kind of stories. And then he was, like, halfway through the rock, and he was almost, like, she was, like, trying to confess his love, but then he realized if you go into the stone, you're never coming back. Yeah. So that's the end of you. Wow. So it's like, why do you want to choose this peasant life in this island, or do you want to go into the riches... But what is that riches? You don't know that. And it's it's like different. It's like two different worlds. The same with like what Frodo had to do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard. Actually, the hobbits are Icelandic people. <laughs> That's what I think. All these, but like, you guys are so tall. Yeah. they. I think that was the misunderstanding in the Lord of the Rings. That we're tall. But oh there's also God. the trolls. Yeah. The trolls are very... The trolls here, they don't get enough credit. Um, but in the stories, so if you go around Iceland, that's where you actually hear the troll stories. My grandma was really good at, descri- and my grandparents, they're really good at telling us these stories when we would drive around the island because we're like, oh, look, that's that troll. You know what happened to her? Oh, uh, whoa, that's the mountain where he fled into after the troll was following him. So it was really nice driving around Iceland because we'd hear all these like crazy troll and, and uh, hidden people stories from my grandparents. Um, but what those stories, like if you drive around Iceland, there's these like weird mountains or like weird, like, um, like for example, in Vik, which is the, the black beach in the South, there are 
not mountains, but what do you call it? What's the word for it? Like three like peaks. Peaks. Yeah. There's like three peaks that are inside um the that are sort of like next to the harbor and they're sort of strangely located. Basically. Yeah. And that's a story of three trolls that um were trying to drag in a French ship. And this is hundreds of years ago. And they tried all night to drag in this friendship, but they were very heroic, this friendship. And the trolls were so, um, the trolls are also pretty silly sometimes. They're known for being silly, like the Santa Clauses. Uh, they were trying to drag in the ship, but suddenly it was the crack of dawn. And what happens when it's crack of dawn? They turn into stone or mountains. So they got so distracted tr- on the yeah. ship that they didn't realize. So there's these three on. weird peaks, and that is the trolls that were trying to drag in the ship, but they didn't realize what time it was, and the sun came up, and they all turned into these peaks. That's brilliant. So those are the stories. That's great. And there's like different stories of like, s- also trolls get heartbroken. They fall in love with a farmer, one of these peasants, um, and maybe they like try to find them in the middle of the night or something. They they steal them and put them in their caves. And the caves are in the mountains. So often there'll be stories of like trolls falling in love with a peasant who was out with his, you know, sheep and the troll would see him and just take him under her arm and take him into the cave because they wanted they wanted they wanted to have them because they were in love with them. And then they would escape and they would try to find them in the night hmm. and then suddenly the dawn came and they would turn into yeah, stone. Wow. So there's all these different stories. Of, yeah. How do the trolls get on with the hidden people? I have never heard a story where they have collided. So they're complete separate entities. There's probably some stories there, but my grandma and grandfather <laughs> never told me those ones. Um, so it's I like feel like we've been talking for we a while. We should oh, stop. wow, yeah, no, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really so this enjoying is the storytelling it, part, but there's different types of like... Same with Nordic gods, um, Santa Clauses, uh, hidden people, trolls. This is all things to us that's so completely natural mm. and that everyone learns about when they're kids and what you tell your children and everything because this is part of our history. Tack. Tack. A big thanks to Raquel and to Iceland Airwaves Festival for having us. You can find our show notes and previous episodes at talktheline.blog. That includes chats such as Johnny Flynn on psychogeography and Marika Hackman on condiments. Next week, I'm talking to Koji Radical about ultimate fighting, mixed martial arts. You've been listening to Talk the Line. I'm Jen Long. Paul Bridgewater produced this podcast. Seams did the music. This is a podcast from the line of best fit. You can follow us online on social media. You can subscribe to this podcast. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a nice review. It's nice to do nice things. See you next week.